This week we're in week six of our sermon series entitled, I Exist Too. And this week we're talking about, I exist to be a guardian. I exist to be a guardian. And man, there's so many ways that we could go with this message on I exist to be a guardian, but I feel like what we're gonna talk about today is gonna help us really uh, hone in and identify what God has created us to do and why we exist to guard certain things. And before we get started, just to let you know, all the notes are on the app. You can follow along on our app, but we're going to go up into a word of prayer and then we'll get started. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that it reveals all truth and it draws us to truth. Open up our hearts today to receive from you. Be with us in our midst. Speak clearly to us today in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So I exist to be a guardian. And as I said, God has created all of us to be guardians of certain things. And it's our responsibility. Like he gives us the authority and the power and the ability to guard over certain things. And the first thing that we have to understand that before I could be a guardian over anything, I first must, must, I'm sorry, I first must have to be a guardian of my heart. The first thing that I must do is I must guard my heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. That means that anything that you allow to enter into your heart is going to directly affect the way that your life plays out. Everything. So that's why the first thing, before we can guard anything else, we must make sure that I'm a guardian of my heart. Because the heart controls everything, your emotions, your decisions, your desires, your, your wants, all those things. All those things are controlled by your heart. So that's why we must guard our hearts. And the ways that, how do we guard our hearts? The first way that we guard our hearts and what we allow to enter into our hearts is, first of all, we guard what we hear. Because when you begin to guard what you hear, because the things that you hear eventually go into your heart. And so we have to make sure that, man, I'm guarding my ears to make sure that what I'm hearing is not affecting my attitudes, my emotions, my decisions based upon what I hear. Because once it gets into my heart, it's going to change the course of the direction of my life. So first, I have to guard what I hear. Second, I have to guard my eyes, what I see, because what I see eventually guards my, my, my heart or it, it um, affects my heart. So if I go to a bakery shop and I start seeing all those sweets, and all those treats, my heart gets full of joy. And I say, you know what? I want to taste this one, this one, this one. This one. And, and you ever say, like you go to a buffet or something like that, and they say, my eyes were bigger than my stomach? What is that? Because what you see, you begin to crave and desire it, and those desires get so big. But you have to say, I have to guard what I see because it's going to change, my, it's going to change and affect my desires. So I have to make sure I guard my ears, that I guard my eyes, that I guard my mouth. Help us, Jesus, that I guard my mouth. Proverbs 21, 23, it says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. And you, some of us, that's half the battle right there. If I could just keep my mouth shut, I'd be all right. It says, watch your, watch your tongue, guard your, or watch your tongue, keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. That means I have to be careful what I allow to come out of my mouth. Because usually what comes out of my mouth is already in my heart. I'm just speaking what's already in my heart. You know how if you catch someone in a, in a situation or a pressure situation or, 
or they uh, not even that, not even a pressure situation, a relaxed environment. And then they say something, you're like, well, where'd that comment come from? Because it was already in their heart. They just felt comfortable enough to say it. So that's why you have to make sure that I'm guarding my ears, my eyes, my mouth. And this is a big one when it comes to guarding my heart, that I guard my boundaries. That I guard my boundaries. Or another word to say this, I'm guarding my purity. I'm guarding my purity. When it comes to guarding our purity or our boundaries, I look back over my life. Some of the most difficult and tragic situations and relationships that I found myself in was because I didn't guard my boundaries. And it didn't happen overnight. It happened over a course of time because there were no boundaries in place for me to safeguard from the decisions that I was making. And to all of a sudden, because I had no boundaries, I found myself in situations like, how in the world did I get here? And I'm looking around the environment and the places that I am like, how, how did I get here? Like, I, I, because in my right mind, I would never come here or I would never be in these situations. But what happened was I didn't have any boundaries in my life. And even in, in relationships, you say, how do people end up in crazy relationships? Because when boundaries are crossed and purity lines are crossed, guess what? There are no markers. And you're just open to, to receive and to go into anything. You realize, what in the world have I gotten myself into? Now it's too late. And you're in these situations because there's no guards. There's no boundaries. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6, it says, So we, so, I'm sorry, so be on your guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. So be on guard, not asleep like others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. We must be alert. And the only way that you can guard your heart is you have to constantly be on alert. You cannot fall asleep because the enemy is waiting for you to fall asleep. Because when you do, guess what? He's ready to pounce. So we have to make sure that I'm alert, that I'm not asleep, that I'm doing everything that I can. I'm clear-headed. I'm clear-minded, meaning that I'm not all in confusion and all these different things that, that distract me from guarding my heart. Because the moment I stop guarding my heart, the enemy comes in like a flood, and that opens up the door for all these different things. And now I can't be the guardian that God has created me to be. So that's why it's so important that before I'm a guardian of anything else, I must be a guardian of my heart because it controls everything that flows from my life. It, 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 it controls the course of your life, your decisions. So once I have my heart guarded, now I can make the proper decisions and I can assess things and say, okay, now that my heart is guarded, now I can guard over other areas of my life as well. And I know that I'm in the right frame of mind and I'm hearing from God and that I'm a good guardian over these things. But again, if I don't guard my heart, then my heart is going to be open to lead me astray. And I'm not even going to think about guarding these things because I'm trying to deal with the things that are inside of my heart. So now we talked about why it's important to guard our heart. So what has God created us or why do we exist to be a guardian? The first thing that we're a guardian over is the word. The word of God, that is the first thing that we're a guardian over. But again, if we don't guard our hearts, we won't guard the word. But the word is the first thing that we're guarding of. James chapter 1, verse 23 and 24, it says, For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. You see yourself, walk away, and you forget 
what you look like. What does that mean? That means like if I don't guard the word, I can read the word, but if I don't apply it and I don't put it to practice, then I can read it and it go away and not even remember what it said. How many of us know the word of God, but we don't apply it? Well, you talk to some random people on the street, they could quote the word, but you're like, yeah, you're quoting the word, but are you living the word? But when you become a guardian of the word, that means that I'm going to do everything that I can to protect the word because I know that there's an enemy out there that's trying to twist, pervert, and, and taint the word of God. He's trying to diminish the word of God and what it means. And, and so that means this, that when it comes to the word of God, I'm a guardian of it, meaning that if I have any... Um, if I have any arguments against the word of God, then my arguments fall at the feet of Jesus. And I say, hey, I know this is an issue that I have, or maybe this is something I don't understand in the word, but I surrender it to you because I want to guard the word. I want to believe and trust in the word. You say, well, pastor, what do you mean? So there are certain things in the word that you read, you're like, did that really happen? How, how can that really be? When I think about, so how in the world did the Red Sea part? So you mean to tell me the, the sea just parted and they just walked down the middle and then when Pharaoh and his chariots came behind them, it just closed up and, and if that's what the word says, then yes. So you mean to tell me Jonah was in the belly of a big fish for three days and three nights? How did he breathe? How, how did he survive in the belly of a big fish for three days and three nights in the sea? So if it's a big fish, it had to be some big water. So how did he not suffocate? How did he not? I don't know. That's not for me to understand, but it's my job to guard, guard the word and say, hey, if whatever the case may be, if the word says it, I believe it. And that's when your faith kicks in because your mind will try to have all types of arguments against the word of God when it comes against things that you want to do for yourself. So if they have personal things that you want to do and you read the word and you know the word is opposed to that, you'll, be, you'll begin to, to make excuses for yourself to say, well, I don't really believe the word that much. You, you don't have to. You just take it at face value. You, you just, you just it's, a good, it's a good reference, God, but, but I know what's best for my life. That's not a guardian. When you become a guardian, you say, I hold true and I silence all arguments that I have against the word of God. That means that I align my thoughts, my beliefs to the word of God because when I, uh, to the word of God by faith, because when I trust the word of God, it becomes clearer and clearer the more I pursue and guard the word. So areas of my life where maybe at one point the word didn't make sense, the more that I guard it and the more that I continue to pursue the word, it will become clearer and clearer and I have more understanding over it. But if I never guard it or never pursue it and just have arguments against it, it's going to push me further and further away from the word. And now something that we should be guarding, now I despise it. How many people started off in the faith, but then they got offended by something in the word, and then they pushed it away and say, I I'm, I'm finished with this faith. I don't believe a God that would, would send someone to hell. And they get offended and hold arguments against the word of God. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 through 31, it says, So guard yourselves as God's people. Feed, the she sh feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased for his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false, teacher like, false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out, 
Remember that three, day, three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day and the many tears for you. It says, be on guard, watch out, because there are some people that are going to come and they're going to twist the truth. Not sparing for the flock. So what does that mean? It is our opportunity, our responsibility to guard the word of God. Because we're living in a day and time now where you can go on YouTube, you can go on Facebook, Instagram, and you can find anything that you want to hear that's going to uh, align with what you want to believe. It's going to make you feel good about your situation, and it's not the word of God. It might sound good, but it's not the word. And it says be careful because it could be people from among your own group, meaning that it could be well-intent Christians, believers, that have gotten deceived by the enemy that take the word of God and twist it for their own agenda. And then you hear it and you say, oh, that sounds good because this fits my agenda and what I want to do in my lifestyle. So I'm going to adopt this as the word, but that's not the word. We have to be careful. Is it the truth of the word of God? Does it bring peace? Does it bring truth? Does it bring freedom? Because the word brings those things. It doesn't bring guilt, condemnation, or shame. And we have to say, I'm a guardian of the word of God. And when it comes to the word as well, we can't be passive. When I guard the word, that means I can't be passive about the word. That means, I, that, means that when I, when I see a verse or I see a promise of God, that means I hold on to that and I'm not letting go. You say, what, what, what does that mean, Pastor? What, what are you talking about? I would say that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they held on to the word of God. Even in the midst of the fiery furnace, they said, you know what? We're going to stand on the word. Now, if you were passive in the word, you would say, you know what? Uh, maybe I will, uh, you know, relent a little bit on what I believe because it's not that serious. That fiery furnace is kind of hot. I don't, I don't think I want to go down there. So whatever y'all want me to do, I'll just go ahead and do it. No, they said, I don't care what y'all do to us. You could throw us in the fire. And even if we don't rescue, and even if we die, we know we're going to be with God forever. But they knew that, 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 that uh, God would rescue them even in a situation that didn't even seem in their favor because it wasn't. But they said, we're not going to be passive in the word. We're going to guard the word, and we're going to stand on the word. Daniel and the lions then. Daniel did. He said, I'm going to stand on the word. When I think about the apostle Paul, this man was beaten, shipwrecked, all those things, kicked out of town, don't come back here. And he goes back to the same town he was beaten in to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he wasn't passive with the word. But as soon as you, you, I'm a believer, I believe, why you believe in the word? Well, you know, that's just my belief, and, and you shrink back, passive with the word, when you face a little opposition. But we have to say, no, devil, I don't care what you throw at me, I'm going to guard the word of God. Because this world is wicked, and it's not the word, it's the spirit of the enemy in the world that causes it to be wicked. And because people are going further and further away from the truth. And the more you grow further and further away from the truth, us as believers, that's why we must guard the truth. So when we hear something that sounds like the truth, we can deceive it. I mean, we, we can decipher and say, no, I'm not going to be deceived by that. That is not the word of God. So we, not be, we must not be passive in the word. 2 Timothy 4, verse 3 through 4, it says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. I don't want to be deceived, y'all. I don't want to follow after my itching ears what, 
because I'm telling you, like I said before, you could go online and find something that to match whatever it is that you want to believe. If you want to believe it's okay to marry trees, there's something out there that you could find that says it's okay to marry trees. What I'm saying is there's something out there if you search for it. But I'm going to be searching in the word of God. I'm going to be searching the bread of life. That's what the holy word of God, and I'm going to guard it. Amen? So the first thing that we're called to be guardians is, is the word. The second thing we're called to be guardians of is our home. Our home. Psalms chapter 91, verse 99 through 11. In Psalms 91, this is a great, this whole passage is a great passage that you can recite every day. And just for, it's just that good. Psalms 91, verse 9 through 11. It says, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. He will order his angels to protect you everywhere you go. Everywhere that you go. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. That means that it's my responsibility, my responsibility to make him my refuge, to make him my shelter. And, and, that, and because of that, I become a guardian of him and he becomes a guardian of my home. All of us are called to be the guardian of our homes. And if you're married, obviously the husband is called to be the guardian. And if you're a single lady, then it's the Lord. He's your guardian. And if it's not your husband, he ain't the guardian. It's the Lord. But God has called us to be the guardians of our home. And the home, I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of things in my life, saved and unsaved. The home is a place that can, that can be a great place or a terrible place. It could be a great experience or a terrible experience. But we are called to be the guardians of our home. You know who's responsible for allowing things to come into your home? You are. God is there to protect us. It's our job to guard it. It's our, God to, it's our job to protect. So when, when it comes to our home, when I think about a guardian, that means that I have to be on guard and on alert about what I allow to come into my home. So what does that mean? That means it starts with music. What music am I allowing to come into my home? What spirits or am I allowing through that music to come into my home? When I think about media, social media, uh, movies, television, podcasts, whatever, any type of media, what am I allowing to come into my home? People. What people am I allowing to come into my home? What spirits do they carry? What spirits are they bringing into my home? Games, Ouija boards, and this is a big one, horoscopes. They got quiet in here. You know, some people put more faith in horoscopes than they do the Word of God. They read them horoscopes. Oh, I, I don't mess with Capricorns because they like this. And they believe what more what a horoscope says about them than what the Word of God says about them. We can't make sure that we're not allowing things like that to enter into our homes that, hey, I'm a guardian of my home. I'm not allowing these things to enter my home. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 10 through 11. And this is like you said, well, pastor, why are you talking about horoscopes? Uh, this, this verse right here. For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering. And do not let your people practice fortune telling or sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. 
meaning that I have to be a guardian over all these things. And I'm saying I'm not allowing any of these things to enter my home because not only does it affect me, but it affects everyone else in the house as well. So there could be things that you're dealing with. And if you have children in your home, the things that you could be battling because you have allowed in, guess who's going to battle those same things as well? Your children. And that's how generational curses keep going when we don't break the cycle is because what, first of all, what we allow when to come into our home. So a good thing to do, and I do this as well tomorrow, and I do this as well as ask God, God, is there anything in our home that offends you? Is there anything in my home that offends you? Because, you know, you could, bring, you could go, go on a trip, on vacation to another country or something somewhere, and you see a little statue or antique or something, you think, oh, this is great. And you buy it and you bring it back to your home, not knowing anything of it, just totally innocent. But it can have something negative that's attached to it that you don't even know about. And so that's why you have to say, God, is there anything on my home, in my home that brings offense to you? And I promise you, he will show you if there is anything in there. And when we do, we must be quick to remove it from our midst. And especially if you have children in your home, you have to say, what are the boundaries that are safeguarded in my home? What are the boundaries or parameters of the things that I will allow to come into my home? I told this story a couple weeks ago that there was someone that Tamara and I knew that was trying, she was married, and she was trying to bring a married guy to the house that she wasn't married to. And we were like, no, that, that's, not, that's not coming. We're not allowing that into my home because that whatever y'all got going on, we don't want that drama over here. And more importantly, I have a little daughter, and, what is she, and she knows your husband, so what's she going to think if she sees you with another man? So I'm not allowing those things in my heart. There's certain, in my home, there's certain boundaries that you have to establish that says, I'm not allowing these things in my home. There's certain things, if you're single, you have to, and when it comes to relationships, now I know when you're single, you want to date people. And it's tough when, when, you, when you're dealing with grown people because you can say, well, this is my house. I can do whatever I want to do in my house. Well, you can. Just make sure you have some boundaries. It's like there should be certain areas and certain rooms of the house that you say, these are off limits if you're not my spouse. Especially if you have kids in the home. Why? Because they're watching. And what they're doing is they're forming their worldviews and their views of relationships based on what they see mommy and daddy do. And, oh, it's okay for mommy and daddy to do this, so it's okay for me to have those type of relationships as well. And then when they get older and you say, well, why are you making those decisions? I've just learned from you. I'm just doing what I saw you do. And then we want to get upset with them and, and, and try to lock them up and do all. It's like, no, no, no. I'm watching the example of what you placed before me. That's why it's so important. We're, who are guardians of the home? We are. You know, back in the day, I was a high school Bible teacher. And I love teaching Bible to those kids because they would have uh, so many questions, and they were also involved in our youth group at church, and a lot of them wanted to serve God, and they wanted to pursue God, but everything that we were teaching them when they would go home would be the opposite of what their parents would expose them to. So even though they went to a Christian school, when they went back home, it wasn't a Christian environment. So everything that we taught them would pretty much be flushed out the window because of the example of what their parents were showing them. And I don't know because they would tell us. Well, my mama said it's okay if I do this. My daddy said it's okay if I do this. And who has the more influence over them? Their parents, which they should. 
But at the same token, it's like we can't expect to come to church and live one way and then go home and live another way and expect our kids, well, I don't know why little Susie or Johnny is not doing right. Well, what is the example that they have when they come home? And some people, they, they, they love to make the, the church or other people their responsibility to make their children to live right. And I know because I was a teacher, and that's just not the case. It has to be coupled at home and at the church or at home at the youth group or whatever the case may be. But the main point is we have to be guardians of our home. Amen. So we're guardians of our home. First, we're guardians of the word. We're guardians of our home. The third thing we're guardians of is guardians of the city. Whatever city you live in, you're called to be a guardian. Did you know that? You're called to be a guardian guardian of your city. Psalms chapter 144, verse 13 through 14, it says, May may our barns be filled with crops of every kind. May the flocks in our fields multiply by thousands, even tens of thousands. And may our oxen be loaded down with produce. May there be no enemy breaking through our walls, no no going into captivity, no cries of alarm in our town squares. I love that last part. No cries of alarm in our town squares. The best way that I could be a guardian in my city is to pray for it. That is the best way I could be a guardian for whatever city I live is to pray for it. You know, it's easy to be critical. So when I began to criticize and judge and about my city and be speak negative about my city, I say, have I prayed for my city? Because it don't matter what city in America you go to. You go there, people, how you love it? Well, they got too much crime. These kids crazy. They killing each other. And, I, and it's ne- the first negative. It's always negative, and they want to speak down. They don't know how to diversify. They don't know how to bring businesses and money into our city. They're going to bring Top Golf, but Top Golf going to be over with in two months because they're going to tear it down. And it's like, you hear all these things, and it's like, what is this? It's negativity. No prayer. Because prayer begins to change things, whether you believe it or not. And the greatest thing that I could be a guardian for my city for is to pray for it. I pray for God's protection. I pray for God's provision. I pray for God's peace. I pray for the spirit of God of revival to break forth in my city. And when I begin to pray for my city and put my city before God, God begins to move. What would happen if every single person that lived in every single city would reach out and cry out to God for God to move in that city? Do you think that God would say, well, there's too many people praying. I, I can't handle all this. Or would he say, let me pour out my spirit upon this city because this city is hungry for a move of God. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless them and I'm going to answer them for their prayers. But if we never pray for our city, God, how, how are we inviting God to come in? So just to take it even more practical, how can I be a guardian for my city? If you have children, what school do your children go to? Do you pray for your school, that ch- your child's school? Because this is something we started when Camden started going to uh, pre-K. Every morning before we drop her off, we pray for her, we pray for her classmates, we pray for her teachers, we pray for uh, the administration of the school, and we pray for the protection of the school every single day. Because if our daughter is there, whether she was there or not, even if it's a school in our area, we're going to say, we're going to pray for the schools in our area. Instead of saying, oh, that school is bad, it used to be good, but now it's terrible, why don't you pray for it? Why don't you pray that God would send godly people that can change the culture of the city around or the school around? So we're called to be guardians. Let's guard. What about the schools in your neighborhood? Do you pray for the schools in your neighborhood or you just look at it and say, it ain't what it used to be? 
Back in my day, it used to be booming. Now I don't know what they're doing over there. Pray for it. We're called to be guardians, so we pray for our, our cities. What about your neighborhoods? Do your neighbors know you? Do you know your neighbors? Do your neighbors know you're a believer? And one of the things that Tamara and I done when we moved here was like we wanted to make it a point that we wanted to know the people around us. And we've met people in some strange ways, but some of those have been some, like we've met one lady, she was playing hide-and-go-seek in the yard with her kids. We were like, what in the world is going on? We see someone ducking and diving behind a tree. We're like, what is, what is going on? But we met her, talked to her, and now she's become a dear friend. And her and her husband. But you have to, do I know my neighbors? Do I pray for my neighbors? Do my neighbors know that, they're, that I'm a believer? Or do they say, oh, that's just, uh, that's just uh, Bob and Sally down the street. I don't really talk, they don't talk that much. I, I see them come in, out of, in their car, out their car, but they, I don't really see them. I don't know anything about them. Why don't you just go over and say, I just want to say hi. My name is such and such. I've always noticed you. I just want to speak to you. How are you doing today? And just meet your neighbors. Pray for your neighbors. Also, pray for your local government officials. Now, did we talk about being negative and critical. This is a big point to be negative and critical about the local government officials. It's easy to point at uh, politicians and say, it's their fault. But why don't we undergird them in prayer? Why don't we cover them in prayer? This past week, I was privileged to be invited to a prayer breakfast with the mayor. And it was several pastors from around the city that came together. And pretty much the mayor just poured out on his heart. He was like, I need your prayer. Because the decisions that I'm facing and the things that I'm going through, I need prayer. And he said, please, and, he, and there were some things that he said, well, I haven't done everything right, and, I, and I'm here to, to own up to that. But what I'm saying, moving forward, I need your prayers. And you know what we did? We laid our hands on them, and we prayed for them. And we're going to continue to pray for them. But instead of criticizing every decision that people make because they're going to make mistakes, we say, you know what, I'm going to lift them up in prayer to pray that they've been uh, that they hear from God and that God will give them wisdom to make right decisions that benefit us all. But I'm not going to be just negative and critical. I'm going to pray. It's easy to be negative and critical. It's a little bit harder when you say, I'm going to pray. When someone gets in your nerves, you want to point out all the bad things about them. You don't want to pray for them. But we are called to be guardians of our city, and we do that through prayer. Amen? The fourth and final thing that God has called us or why we exist to be guardians is our nation. Our nation. Say our nation. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4 says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people, ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so they can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is a good and... This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. And I know we just talked about this a little bit about local. This is the same thing for our nation as well, is our government officials. We should pray for them because we know Washington is not perfect. <laughs> we know it's not perfect. And I'm not telling you who to, to vote for or whatever. I'm not, that's not my job to do all that. My job is to say you need to vote. Because if you're not voting, you're not a guardian. You have no skin in the game. You just want to complain. There are so many people want to complain. Did you vote? No, I didn't go down there and vote. My vote don't matter anyway. Well, you're not even a guardian. 
the first step is you have to be a participant to say, I'm going to cast my vote and make it count. And what do we vote on based on the word of God? And I allow the Lord through the word to lead you who to vote for. I'm not going to tell you vote for this candidate. That's not my job. Vote based on what you believe the word of God says and how the Lord is leading you. But what I'm saying is you do need to vote, though. Go out and vote. And that is the first step of being a guardian is I actually do participate in the local elections and the government elections. I know sometimes it's, you get in there and you see those local amendments and you're like, I don't know what this is. And I'm just going to head pick this, this, this. And I've done that before, too. Like, oh, I didn't even know this was on the ballot. Let me hurry up or try to read this amendment and see what it really means. But I could do a better job of that as well on the local stuff just to make sure that, hey, I'm, am I being a guardian over the things that is being presented before me? Am I doing my due diligence and, and research to make sure that I'm being a guardian, not only for the city, but even in the nation as well? And again, before I criticize, am I praying? We must stand on guard for our nation because the enemy is after America. He's after the world, we know that, but he's after America because he knows this is a blessed land. And the only reason it's blessed is because of God, not because of anything that we've done. It's because of his grace that America is blessed as it is. It's not because we're smarter than any other nation or it's none of that. It's only because of God's grace. And you can see the way that the world is trending is trying to pull more and more away from God, more and more away from biblical truths. Whatever the word says, that's why we have to guard the word, because in our nation, the nation is saying, oh, we just want to be so loving, and so, which sounds good, but it really does is just open up more opportunities for the enemy to come in with confusion. You know, this past week, I can't remember which day it was, but we were reading in Acts 19 when there was a blacksmith that came in and they made statues and they made their money building these little statue gods. And he was mad because Paul and his disciples were coming into the city preaching and people started destroying them. And even says they were throwing in even uh, their their. Uh, astrology books and magic books, and it was like millions of dollars in those times. So I can only imagine how much it is now. But people were burning them and getting rid of them, and they weren't making money anymore. So he had a little, well, he has a word to say. And he gathered the people together, and he said, what about Artemis, this God that has created? I'm afraid that this message that Paul and these others are preaching, that it's, 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 it's losing its value of who Artemis is. Yes, we're losing money along the way. He kind of threw that in there. But yes, but this, the prestige and the, the person of Artemis, it's going to lose its value. And then it says that people from all over the city began to run in and say, great is Artemis, great is Artemis. And most of them didn't even know why they were there. And the whole city was in confusion. Doesn't that sound like our nation? People are arguing and fighting and, and, and don't even know why they're arguing about. You ever find yourself in an argument and you're like, what in the world are we arguing about? Like, how did we even get here? But that's what the enemy does. He tries to bring confusion to a land to get you to a place where all of you come together in that confusion, and you don't even know what's going on. Now you're hoodwinked. How in the world did our nation get here? Because we was hoodwinked, falling for the attacks and the confusion of the enemy. But now we have to come together and say, I'm going to pray for my nation. Just like we pray for our cities, I'm going to pray for the protection for, for the, the, the provision, for God's blessing, for God's prosperity to flow on our nation. Because I'm a guardian. If, if I'm in America, America's going to be blessed because I'm here. If I'm in Mobile, Mobile is blessed because I'm here. 
if for that, and that's made, you say, well, that's a selfish reason. Well, if that's a selfish reason alone, that's good enough. That's a good place to start. And then move from there and go forth and say, no, not only me, but other families, other ministries, other places in this city and in this nation will be blessed as well. Because why? Because God's people are here. And when I began to guard our cities, when I began to guard our nation and undergird it with prayer, God begins to move. When any mighty move of God starts, it first starts with prayer. It first starts with the inner hunger, but then it moves out into prayer, and then it just begins to grow from there. God has called us to be guardians over these areas. God has called us to be a guardian of the word. Hold on to the word. Stand on the word. Don't shrink back from the word. Don't be passive with the word. Don't have arguments against the word. He's called us to be a guardian of our homes. We protect our homes. Don't just allow anything in your home. Guard your home. Be vigilant in the garden, uh, guarding your home. Third thing, we're called to be guardians of our city, and we're called to be guardians of our nations. And I want to read this, and then we're going to close with this and pray. Second Chronicles 7:14. Then if my people who were called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. That is a familiar passage of scripture that we all know. What if we really did it? What if all of us really did that? That we would humble ourselves and pray. Then God would come and he would heal our land. What does our land need? It needs healing. What does it start for us humbling ourselves and praying and crying out to God? And he says, then he will heal our land. So to this morning, we're going to intercede on behalf of those areas that we just covered today that God has called us to be a garden over. Amen? Why don't you stand to your feet? you watching online. You can participate in this as well. But we're about to be guardians, and we're going to go into just a moment of prayer where we're going to pray over each and one of these areas. Lord, I thank you that this morning, Lord God, that we're answering the call to be a guardian. Lord, that we won't be passive in our in our jobs as guardians, Lord God, but we realize that it is our responsibility, Lord God, to not only to seek the word, to obey the word, that when we read your word, Lord God, that we would be quick to obey, that we won't just look like, look, look, glance at ourselves in the mirror and then forget what we look like or read the word and forget what we read, but we would hold on to the truth of the word and that we would begin to apply it in our everyday lives. And I thank you that we would guard the word. And even in uncomfortable situations, we won't shrink back in our faith because our faith is based on the word of God. And I thank you that as we stand on the word, we strengthen our faith. And I thank you, Lord God, that our faith is strengthened to trust you at your word. And I bind any arguments that the enemy would try to give us against the word. That, Lord God, that we would align our beliefs, our thoughts, our desires to your word. And I thank you that we're guardians of your word. I thank you, Lord, that we're guardians of our home. And I bind every lie and attack of the enemy that will try to come against our home, that our homes will be places of peace. Lord, I thank you right now that our homes are dwelling places of peace, dwelling places of refuge, Lord God. And I bind chaos and confusion and every bit of deception and lie of the enemy that will try to come in and take over our homes. Lord, I pray that we guard the things that we control through the music and media, Lord God, and even people that come into our homes. Let us guard our homes, Lord God. Let us truly be guardians, Lord God, of our homes, Lord God. I thank you for the city of Mobile. 
I thank you, Lord God, that we're guardians of our city. Lord, we lift up this city to you. We lift up Mobile to you, Lord God. I thank you for your protection, your provision, and your peace in this city. And I bind the enemy, every stronghold, every bondage, every spirit of every principality of evil that tries to come against this city. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus. The spirit of division and murder and hatred, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I thank you right now that they will, this will be a city known for its peace and its harmony. I thank you that this will be a city known for its godliness, Lord God, that, that, that the people in this city are truly believers and that serve the Lord and that pray for this city. I thank you for every uh, local official, Lord God, for, uh, for uh, the mayor, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for our police officers, Lord God, for our firefighters, Lord God, for emergency responders, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for city council officials, Lord God, and constables. I thank you like right now, Lord God, for every local government official, Lord God. We lift them up to you, and I pray that you would give them godly wisdom to make right decisions, Lord God, that they will receive counsel, Lord God, that comes from the word of God. And I thank you for our city, Lord God, that this is not a cursed land. This is a blessed land. This is a blessed city, Lord God. This is a prosperous city. This is a peaceful city, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for the city of Mobile. And we lift it up. And, Lord, we lift up our nation. Lord, I thank you for America, Lord God. I thank you for the freedoms that you've given us, Lord God. So many countries envy us because of the freedom that you have allowed us to have. And I thank you for your mercy and your grace sustaining us all these years, Lord God. And I thank you for your hand of protection and provision to continue to bless our great nation. And Lord, I pray where the enemy tries to come in and bring confusion and deceit with with the twisting of the word, Lord, that we hold up the word as the standard, that we hold up the word and we will guard the word and say that this is a nation that believes and stands on the word of God that our laws, Lord God, will be governed by the word of God and not man-made ideas, Lord God. And I thank you right now, Lord God, for our president and all elected officials in the government, Lord God, Supreme Court justices, Lord God, uh, the Senate, Lord God. I thank you right now for the House of Representatives, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for every elected official in the government, Lord God, that they would make godly decisions that come from godly wisdom and godly counsel. And I bind every attack of the enemy that will try to deceive and bring division amongst our nation. Lord, I pray that we're humbling ourselves this morning, that we're crying out to you, Lord God, that we turn from our wicked ways and that heaven would heal us, hear us and forgive our sins, Lord God, and heal our land. Heal America, Lord God, for where the enemy has tried to bring division and strife for years, I pray that even in a moment that suddenly you can turn the situation around, that you can turn the climate of of anger and division around to peace and harmony. And Lord, we declare it, we stand on it, and we pray for it right now. In Jesus' mighty name, if you believe that, shout amen. 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 Hallelujah. You may be seated. You may be seated. And I want to give uh, one final invitation this morning. That's for anyone that is away from God and you want to come back to him this morning. We talked about being guardians of your heart and guardians of all these different areas, but God, he wants you to surrender your heart to him. And so if you want to come back to relationship with God or serve him for the first time, I want to pray for you. With no one looking around, if you want to come into right relationship with God or maybe you serve him at one point and straight away but want to come back, I want to pray for you this morning. With no one looking around, just lift your hand and I'll pray for you. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone just to place their hand over their heart. 
and just repeat this after me. You online, you could do this as well. Lord, I thank you for this moment, for this holy moment where I can surrender my life to you. I lay down my sin, my guilt and shame, and I receive your forgiveness and mercy. I thank you, Lord, for coming to my heart and cleansing me of all sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give a hand clap for those that made a decision to uh, follow God. And if you made that decision in the building, congratulations. In the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says, let's connect. But on the back, it says, I made a decision. You can fill that out and drop it in the offering bucket. We love to connect with you and pray with you throughout the week. But also, if you're online, let us know you made that decision by commenting in the comment section. Or you can email us at info at new life. I'm sorry, info at newlifemobile.org. We love to hear from you as well. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to give you guys online a couple of announcements before you guys are dismissed. Uh, we have life groups this Wednesday, 630. Uh, we're going to meet. We have men's groups, ladies groups, young adults groups, kids groups. We have a group for everybody. So we're going to share a meal with each other, have fun, fellowship. Uh, it starts at 630. Then we'll break off into our groups. Uh, that's this Wednesday, July 5th, right here at New Life Church. We'd love to invite you to that. Also, on August the 6th, August the 6th is uh, our three-year anniversary that tomorrow and I have been pastors at New Life. But more importantly, we have our one of our overseers, Pastor Wayne Brown. He's going to be here preaching live that Sunday, six, uh, I'm sorry, uh, August the 6th at 10 a.m. So we want to invite you. Come be a part of that. Come celebrate with us. We're going to have a great time. And I know he's going to share a great word. That's August 6th. Pastor Wayne Brown will be in the house preaching live with us here. So you don't want to miss that. And also, the last thing before you dismiss is if you're prepared to give, you can give. There's a couple ways you could do that. You could go to our website, which is newlifemobile.org, or you could download our app, and you can give that way. And we want to make you aware of our building campaign. There's a few things, just some updates. We had some lighting issues in one of our hallways, and because of the building campaign, we just got some lights updated. So, hey, we're moving. So the fund is working. We, once we get the money to complete projects, we do that. So you could give towards that at Building New Life Offering on our app as well or on the, face, on the, uh, the website. So we want to pray for those that are prepared to give your tithes and offering this morning. And then you guys online are dismissed. Lord, I thank you for those that are prepared to give. I thank you right now, Lord God, that you bless everything that's coming in. Bless each and every person, Lord God, that's given today. I thank you, Lord God, it's for the advancement of the kingdom of God. I pray that you meet every need that there is. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Again, we want to invite you guys out to Life Group this Wednesday at 630, but hope you have a great Sunday. We love you guys. Have a great, great day. We will see you next Sunday at 10 a.m. Have a great, oh, happy 4th of July. I forgot about that. Happy 4th of July this Tuesday as well. Have a good Sunday. Amen.